anyway, I had to go to county lockup 30 days and I got out and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. I'm your host, Punk Rock, and uh, we got fucking nothing for you today. We're just hanging out. We're drinking beers. Uh, I don't know what Tragic's drinking. Uh, we're going to pretend that's vodka, sir. That's No, it's water. <laughs> it's, all right. Well, we tried. And then we got, hey, we got No Shame back with us. How you been, man? Hey, good. I got spiked coffee. It's not hey. actually beer. It's, but, it's, but it's got booze in it. They got my girlfriend pretty fucked up earlier, and we got couples counseling later, so I want to make sure we're both on the same level. So, like, do we want to edit that out, or we just roll with that? I'll run with it. Fuck it. Also, are, are you guys going to couples counseling while toasted? Well, I am. I think she's probably sobered up, but we got more of these. So she's already in the bag. She's already intoxicated? Yeah. She, uh, she actually fucking drank one of these, and then... Uh, she decided to go door dashing, which I don't know if that's very responsible, but, you know, that's what it is. Isn't it, like, the early afternoon by you? And Brad's like, four. This was, like, 1030. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess for anybody that anybody that listens, they're going to ask, so does she have a sister? Yeah, actually, she does. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have that one, Dave. That's, that's you. <laughs> No, I'm good. No, 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 no. I'm saying the repercussions that come from that. But hey, we're going to move on because uh, my foot's in my mouth here. So, Yavid, um, you were were saying um, normally whenever we have a a guest the first time, we try to do like a theme song for him and we fucked up and we didn't do it for no shame last time. So, what you got for us, man? All right, that's so. Don't worry, guys. We're gonna kick Dave off the show. What? That's the guy that's banging Russell Wilson's wife or whatever. I mean, is it just because it said "no shame" in the lyrics? Yeah, the other one was um, I found some, some Filipino track hits, and I feel like that was slightly racist. So I went, I went with with future instead I'm of that. So touch with popular culture. I have no idea what the fuck plus, I was just listening to. Plus. Punk Greg is still in the Navy, and there's no way we want the Filipino Mafia after him, so I, I decided this was a good mix-up. Dude, you know what's weird is this is the first place that I've been that I don't have the Mafia in, like, my supply department. Because there's not enough ships around. That's what it is. Imports <laughs> right the fuck there. Yeah, but there's still... That's not a huge naval sh- shipping ship area. It's not huge. <laughs> we it's don't lost, like, thing. half of our listeners. <laughs> I was going to be to, honestly. I was surprised when I heard you use the term the Filipino mafia because I thought that was strictly a term used in healthcare. And I was like, "How the fuck do these guys know about the Filipino mafia?" <laughs> do you have that in healthcare? Yeah, it's all the Filipino nurses. Oh man, do they all start off at like a higher pay grade? Because in the Navy, they come in as an E five. <laughs> uh, no, but it's a very there's uh, there's some cultural uh, groupingness. Are you allowed to eat the lumpia? <laughs> But it's like awesome because if you get if you get adopted in, um, they feed the shit out of you. You just call everybody Ate. Are you adopted in? Yeah, yeah, Ate, and and all of a sudden you're getting lumpia and poncet for fucking days, dude. Yeah. Dope, all sorts of shit. It's awesome. I love that shit. <laughs> I miss I that. Have a question for, much. for no shame. What's it like riding uh, out west right now? What's it like riding in Washington? 
more specifically the Pacific Northwest, yeah. Is you talking about like riding conditions as far as like with all the smoke in the air or whatever? Yeah, or? like like is it in your house right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> like for those of us for those of us not out west, we're not in the Pacific Northwest. What's it like right now? Because everything you see in, in IG or whatever looks fucking crazy. It's uh, I mean, instead of smoking cigarettes now, I just go sit outside and kind of just take deep breaths, but. <laughs> you know, as far as it like creeping into the house, I haven't had that. Um, it rained on Tuesday up here, so that kind of helped out a little bit. But yeah, there's definitely pockets where it's like super fucking thick. Um, but I'm like, I'm a smoker, so I don't really. I think that probably helps with me not noticing it. But I was <laughs> at uh, work the other day, and there was uh, the bay doors were open, and some of the guys inside were like complaining that their throats hurt because they're a bunch of fucking pussies. But uh, yeah, it hasn't really affected riding too much or anything. It's just, it's like muggy. It's like a permanent smoke fog. Yeah, it's just, it's not as bad down here anymore. I, well, I mean, today's the first day that, like, you can see the sun and it looks like the sort of normal color. But, yeah, it's still you even down here. stare directly at that, though. Yeah, well, no, you guys saw, so, you know, the other day, you know, I broke down on the freeway. And I sent you that picture that has the ocean and the sun in the background. And, uh, and Punk Rock goes, that's that's definitely the five. <laughs> I was like, no, it's it's the 101, man. That's the ocean that's uh, right there in the background. You couldn't even tell because it's so gray and hazy. Man, oh, yeah. I was uh, on the rooftop in Tacoma yesterday. And you can usually see right into the port. And it was just so dense that you couldn't see any of the water, none of the boats, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> now, is this, 2020. Is this that one that like they started with like is this one that was like a baby gender reveal party or something and they used fireworks and it caught the forest on fire? Is that somewhere else? That's down here by me. Uh you know, down here in, in Southern California that, that caused that. Um I don't think that's uh, it, it's it's multiple different fires. It's no. it's just, you know. I don't think it, that shot all the way up to, to no shame. I hope so bad that the child that, that that gender reveal party was for that caused all this shit turns out to be transgender. So this was all like <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what would you name your kid if you uh, if you accidentally burned down half the country uh, on the gender reveal party? Smokey. What are they? Hold on. Well, what's that? What's that fire called? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah, what's shit? Like, forest fires are so common up by you guys that they literally have like names for them, like hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big enough ones. Yeah. Yeah, but they're like, like dumb shit. Campfire. <laughs> like, so, oh, that's fucking neat, guys. Cool. So, for everybody that commented on the page, tell us what was wrong with the bike. What happened? Tragic. Oh, oh, for me. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? You uh, I, still, I still gotta get it. I haven't had a chance to to get it uh, checked out. Um, <laughs> kind of dreading the the what it's gonna end up being. I don't, I'm not really stoked on the idea of figuring it out too soon. Um, you know, so I thought I ran out of gas initially uh, because I was pretty low on gas where I was leaving from. And then when it got down low, I had about 30 miles left on my digital gauge. And then all of a sudden it just, you ever had your bike shut off when you're riding it? 
and all of a sudden you hear the exhaust, like, and you just feel the difference, and you hear the exhaust still going, and you're like, is my bike on? Is it off? What's going on? Because it's still moving, you know? Well, um, I mean, that could be a head gasket. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a real mechanic, so. Yeah, I, I got no idea. I, I tried to restart it, and, uh, you know, I had, I had gas put into it, you know, just in case thinking that was it, and it wasn't. Um, and then now the, now my lithium battery is dead too. Cause when we put it in the truck and towed it, uh, I didn't disconnect it and the, you know, the flashing of the lights and all that. And the attempts to restart it, knocked it out. So I gotta go put that on the trickle charger, charge it back Part up. Part that bitch out. Yeah. <laughs> Part that bitch out. <laughs> yeah. I gotta get a, I gotta get a new 2020 road glide special. Yeah, man. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's only room, there's only room for those in the show. You gotta get that soft. You gotta get that soft tail version. You gotta get that soft tail low rider. No, hey, didn't didn't um, drama talk about that when he was here? And didn't he say that it's that front end's dog shit? That's, yeah, that's what I but remember. I feel like all the all all you Dyna Bros hate on that new soft tail low rider. Fuck soft tails. <laughs> See, you're so so. I don't want I don't want like, soft in my life. So is it is it next week that um, Professor and No Shame, or one of these weeks, Professor and No Shame will be will be partying? Will we get any good antics out of that? Some some topics, some writing, some yeah, non shareable pictures. End up going live at some point. I mean, kind of have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> have them go live on the IG or the Facebook. Yeah, I feel like, like all uh, the I'm getting down there uh, Friday, and uh, I got some family down there to visit, and then. Uh, Obviously, gonna spend some time with my brothers down there. It's like all the um, all the people that don't know, you should just get like some pictures of like some some feet and stuff like that when you just post them up for for folks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys want to go live and be you know incriminating yourselves that way. <laughs> well, hey, it's been out like Australia where it's like you and one other guy can hang out, but nobody else. Yeah, yeah. And so how about like Jim's post? That was pretty good on that on the Vlad laws from from Australia. That was yeah. some good info in there. And then I know that he got some really good feedback in the comments too, talking about some of the crazy shit that that Australians go through. Um, tragic for what you can share or allowed to share. Did some of that stuff kind of resonate with with you and your club? Obviously, everybody knows about you know the the, the comment to save the patch. You know, was kind of the common battle cry. Uh, did some of that stuff kind of like, I don't know, seem familiar, hit home, anything like that? Yeah, it's de- it's definitely what we, they've been trying to do um, with us and use us as the, you know, as the tip of the spear uh, to to try to kind of gut the whole MC community and try to use that. I think they've attempted it with another club on the East Coast briefly, but dropped it. But ours is obviously the, the longest running, you know, uh, which... You know, is what it is. Um, but you know, and, and we have we have brothers uh, in Australia, uh, and man, you know, those guys, they got to put up with a lot of bullshit, man. That's uh, it's you know, unfortunately for them, is that country they don't have a um, you know Bill of Rights Constitution to to defend against this stuff. You know, luckily for us, um, with the case, it was ruled uh, a violation of the First Amendment. Well, they don't have a First Amendment down there, so, you know. <laughs> does anybody smarter than me remember, um, um, what is the, the amendment that protects you against illegal searches and seizures and everything like that? Do anybody remember what that is in our Constitution? I forget. I believe it's number four. Yeah. But 
so so one of the things that Jim brought up was that if if you are on a government list, which you know I know for like like tragic and no shame and and, and punk rock out in San Diego, like that's a big thing on the West Coast is like these police kind of databases of who's in what club and stuff like that. And 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 Jim wrote that in in Australia, if the government has you on one of those lists, they can stop you, they can search you, they can come in your present in your uh, residence uh, at any time for no reason other than the fact that you belong. Um, to this motorcycle club, and that yep. went that even got extended past uh, if you currently belong, right? Like if I, um, you know, as as an example, I joined Motorcycle Club A and I'm on that list, and I leave three years later, just because I was a member of that club, I'm still gonna stay on that list where they can enter my shit at any time they want to. Well, like, yeah, I mean, and and like what people don't realize is that they use the term like affiliates or associated, right? So um, it often like in the news, when you hear things, um, you know, uh, when they charge any members of a club, you know, they'll say, like a lot of times the news will say like, you know, uh, 20 members of this chapter were, you know, uh, arrested for this and that and this. And a lot of times it's like maybe one or two of those dudes were actual members. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and it, it's the same thing. So they can really use it as far as you know. You could just be a family member, you know, for the way that kind of draconian stuff goes down, you know, uh, and they can use that against you. It, it's, uh, you know, sometimes we in the U.S. get criticized as being kind of a backwards country by like European, you know, people and other countries, but. I mean, you know, we have a bill of rights that protects us from a lot of this draconian laws. So, yeah, you know, one of the things he posted, too, is if you are convicted of a crime, you can get a gang enhancement in Australia. I know that we have gang enhancements here, but a gang enhancement on it can be 10 to 35 years added on your sentence for being being a member of a one percent motorcycle club. Yeah, I know ours are like 10 years. I, I, I think it depends on which what it is. But, you know, there's a strong correlation between the two, you know, uh, our our federal agents over here, um, you know, helped draft those for them. They want they they're using that as the as a playing ground for, you know, what they would like to do here. Motherfucking Steve Cook. Goddamn Steve Cook. How does that dude even go undercover anymore? That has to be the most publicized, televised ATF agent or whatever he is, fucking ever. Yeah. Goddamn. Hey, uh, question for No Shame. So, like, you're up in uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, which obviously is home to um, uh, Double D as well. Do you guys, you know, with having somebody like that who's kind of on the forefront of biker rights and stuff like that, and especially some of the guys from your own club that do it, you know, what do you guys see up uh, where you're at? Is it is it better? Is it worse? Are you made more aware of it? Are you more active in it? Kind of what are your thoughts? I mean, the the fight's pretty much been fought and almost won up here. I mean, kind of spoiled as, as far as that goes uh, with the anti-profiling laws that are passed in Washington. Um, we've... Uh, We've met with Double D a couple times, and yeah, you know, they got like all their lawyers up here that they they're pretty cool about like letting other clubs have access to them and then and taking care of other clubs that are in the area. Um, but you know, the stops still happen. The you get questioned a little bit differently. Like I had a, a brother just get pulled over today, and the first question the guy asked was, "Do you have a weapon on you?" And that's really not supposed to be part of like the procedure but you know they 
the stigma is still there and that still definitely exists um and there are still uh police officers that don't abide by that by the laws and stuff and they will still target you but it is significantly less than some of the horror stories i hear in different parts of the country i mean uh, like blade is as a perfect example i mean he can barely ride his motorcycle down the street without getting pulled over and yeah. that kind of just doesn't really happen up here now for you you know without giving away too many trade secrets you're somebody that's important influential in your in your chapter in your club uh what are what are some things that you do is there advice is there tactics is there whatever that you give to new guys or to younger members and stuff like that and how to deal in those interactions or what to say what not to say what to do what not to do um when they're getting jammed up actually today when the guy uh one of my brothers took the picture as the cop was pulling him over i gave him a a pretty sound piece of advice and that was um act wildly non-compliant and assert your rights which is actually terrible advice i'm just a fucking sarcastic asshole but uh i mean really like the best way to go about it is not to be a douchebag like you don't want to give them a reason because you know in the climate that we're in today they're looking for a reason so comply with what you have to comply with per the law and don't give them anything more or anything less. I mean, if, if they're asking to search your bags, like I always keep my bags locked. If they're asking to go through your bags and they need a warrant to go through them, uh, you know, if they want to take pictures of you, you just, they, that's, that's not stuff that you're required to comply with. So just knowing the minimum that you have to say and sticking to that minimum, you know, you, you might get some funny looks and there might be some awkward silences that you have to kind of go through. But at the end of the day, they're, they're looking for reasons. They're, they're trying to build a case, um, you know, especially in, you know, depending on what kind of club you're in, uh, they might be looking for things to, to put your club away on some major charges. And, and if they can rack up patterns of misconduct and shit like that, it only helps to build their case. So why give them any extra reason or any extra leverage just for a simple speeding ticket? You know, the guy yeah, like, asks you for your ID and all that stuff, just give it to him. You know, there's no need to argue with the guy on the side of the road. You're going to lose that argument. <laughs> hey, tragic for, for somebody like, like you coming from, obviously, the club you come from and the area that you come from, uh, which is, you know, in that that. Was that the SoCal? I don't know what you guys call. It. You guys have weird names for everything. SoCal, MidCal, NorCal, WestCal, EastCal, whatever. But in that area that you're in, like, it, what's it like dealing with the cops, especially you know being in you know the high-profile club that, that you're in and the stuff you guys have gone through? Um, you know, it's it's varied. Uh, you know, uh, over time, um, there was a time where our our local PD wasn't too bad, actually. Um, now, um, for for me, the city of Oxnard uh, is, you know, the, the primary area, kind of where I'm at. Oxnard PD can suck a dick. Those guys are fucking, they look to fuck with bikers. Um, and there's been numerous times that they've, you know, injured them. Uh, there's There's been deaths over, you know, questionable, you know, of how they've been you know, either run, knocked off their bikes and, and killed bikers, things like that. So, you know, it's, 
it's it's hit and miss region to region. Same thing with Ventura County Sheriff's. You know, those guys are, you know, uh, their gang task force is pretty uh, enthusiastic about their jobs. Uh, and, uh, you know, I myself have been just sitting at a bar just with, you know, some bros and the area that the bar is in really isn't their area, but you know, they, they, they pop up, you know, and hang out and take pictures and do all that and try to scribble all your license plates numbers down on your bikes. And it's just, you know, down here, we don't have nearly the same, you know, protections right now. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, it is, it's, it is what it is. What are, what are some things that you tell you know guys that are that are coming around? Maybe they're asking you like, "Hey, what's it like to be a member of your club? What what's the what's the day to day like? Or what are the the pros and the cons?" They would ask you a no bullshit assessment. What would you tell them about kind of what you deal with in that aspect? I'd say be prepared to get fucked with. Um, you know, it is part of it. Um, get a GoPro or some sort of other recording device that can't be just shut off easily. Um, Record, you know, the interaction as, as well as you can, but, you know, be be respectful and, and compliant, you know, where you're supposed to, but, you know, don't give an inch otherwise, you know, no, you can't take my picture. No, you can't, you know, I'm not answering any of your questions. I've been pulled over and they start asking you, like, how long has your chapter been around? What, you know, what are you guys up to? Where do you guys, what are you guys hanging out? Like, how's it going? Some, some guys will, will be real friendly at first. And try to like chum it up with you, you know, um, and then start, you know, reaching in. And you have to remember, you know, and, I, and I'm not someone who has like a just loathes and hates cops for the sake of hating cops, you know, because I'm a bad guy out there. I, I hate the abuse of power is my issue. It's the whole system, you know, from top to bottom. But, uh, you know, you have to remember these dudes aren't your friends, even if they're being nice. And there's a lot of guys out there who want to start talking and think if you can chum it up with this cat, that he's not going to, you know, maybe fuck with you as much. That he's not going to arrest you if he finds a- any reason to do so. That he won't tow your bike if he realizes that your, you know, tags are out of date or, you know, whatever it is. Some guys will try to chum it up thinking that, like, it'll get them lesser consequences. Um, but my my advice always is, is just don't give an inch. Like, if they want to talk to you, you know, short, curt, one one word answers if, if necessary and otherwise you know that's it because they, the more they try to get you and engage that engagement can be they're, they're trying to pull more and more out of you do any of you guys think that um kind of the current climate um with policing and cops and 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 the protests and the riots and everything else uh, do you think defunding or reform or, or anything of that, anything, anything at all, will affect bikers? Will have a positive or negative impact for bikers? Do you think there'll be any changes whatsoever? I don't know who wants to answer that. I think I do. I think if we, oh, go go, go ahead, Moshe. I, I just think there's a there's a definite stigma that's attached to being a biker. Um, I mean, I've been pulled over recently, you know, with my kids in the car, and you know, not on a bike, not wearing any kind of a club like anything identifying anything other than my tattoos but you know he's not looking that hard um and then i treat it exactly the same way you know i'm i'm polite and courteous but i'm not talking to the guy like trying to have a conversation with them it's it's just like tragic was saying simple short one word answers you know 
they'll try to have a conversation with me and just, I'm not interested. And the the whole encounter gets treated completely differently than when I've been pulled over on my motorcycle. Um, and part of that, you know, that has really nothing to do with the current state of things. You know, I don't think biker rights are at the forefront of what's going on in, uh, in today's climate as far as cops are concerned. Um, are we affected by it? Sure. Um, you know, as, as far as the uh, overuse of force and, and that stuff is concerned. But the profiling of bikers and the stigma that's attached to us and the way that cops are going to look at us, you know, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't see that going away with anything other than biker-specific legislation. Yeah, I, I agree. We need, it needs to be legislated in order so that there's consequences, right? Um, you know, in general, anybody in a position of power um, will typically abuse and use that, uh, that power more so, especially if they know that there's no repercussions, that that person's not going to fight back, that person's not going to pursue, turn around and sue their police department or sue them, you know, in return. You know, and so it's not dissimilar, I guess, to, to some of what's being, you know, uh, brought up, you know, through a lot of the like the BLM stuff and all the movement that's going on. You know, it's it's showing that, um, you know, poor people and people in, in positions to be targeted will and, you know, be targeted. I'm hoping that as a consequence, whether you're one way or the other about the, the political affiliation or understanding of it, that all bikers understand that police being held accountable is always better. There's no downside to holding, you know, people in authority more accountable. It doesn't make you left or right or anything like that. Um, so do you think that something, do you think that like, like, um, you know, they talk about like ending qualified immunity and stuff like that, which is, you know, a great thing to end. Will that take, will that help alleviate some of the profile that goes on again, just kind of speaking specifically for bikers? I think so because look, I know I know guys. I have I have brothers and guys that I've talked to, and just in other circles, uh, you know, in, in the club scene, who have had cops put hands on them, you know, turn their turn their body cam off, and and you know the same the way that they've they've treated other people, you know, uh, it, if you can turn around and say. Hey, look at the response of force on this, and especially now with everybody having cameras. If you could turn around and say, like, "Hey, man, a guy, look what happened with that that incident um, with the um, with the pagans that they caught that was all over the news for a while there with those undercover cops." Yeah, you know, the bar in the bar fight. Yeah, that bar fight shit. I mean, that was a classic example of cops using and abusing their authority and targeting guys, knowing that they can use that that authority to to kind of hide behind that badge. If you can now hold that officer accountable and he's not just going to get maybe a paid vacation from the, the department, fuck yeah, dude. That that has to be beneficial to, to us as, as bikers. I mean, and just looking at, you know, I know you can relate to this, Dave, with, uh, with military experience, but we got put into a situation where you're basically going out into a, into a world where everybody hates you. And you are held to this higher standard as a representative of America and, and of the United States military that you're not just going to go randomly start attacking and shooting at people. 
And anytime there is an engagement, there's always an investigation that follows. And, and average fucking Joe that's out there serving is scared to death of being thrown in fucking Leavenworth for killing somebody that doesn't deserve to kill. Yeah, I mean, it, it works in the military to a point. And if you're given that trust and you're given that uh, authority, then you need to be held to that higher standard of how you're going to fucking use it. Not that, like, you have some kind of, you know, you're exposed to more stuff. Like, get it. Give them that. They're, they're exposed to more incidents to where mistakes can happen. But there's certain things that you deal with in life that a mistake should not be acceptable. And when you're dealing with human life, especially human life in a friendly nation, like, these are your... Yeah, yeah. And, like, the mistakes should be intolerable. Well, and I know, you know, like you mentioned the, the, the service stuff. Well, you, you know, you served, you went overseas and stuff like that, too. Um, I don't know what your work, what your field exercises and workups were like, but we spent a lot of time um, on the range because that was going to be, obviously, as a rifleman, that was going to be our primary thing. So so that's what we trained in. For, like you mentioned, like a police officer being in a, in a more, f- what they should be in a more friendly situation and a more, like, these are my homies in the same country as me, in the same state as me, like, I think I think we we've missed an opportunity like and this has nothing to do with bikers but 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 we missed an opportunity to train them in 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 de-escalation tactics we've missed an opportunity to train them in hand, in, in just regular fighting whether that's jujitsu or, or or some other type of, of martial art or whatever and and we're we're hiring people that uh, you know they're not getting that experience so so when they get punched in the mouth or when they get into a, a that fight or flight response they're going for their gun because they're scared out of their fucking minds. Even if you've never been in a fight and, and you're just like the nicest, most humble dude ever, at least having that training is something you fall back on with muscle memory, repetitiveness, things like that. And, and that's what takes over. And so they get into these situations and they make piss poor calls and, and they they jump to the highest level and, and you see the outcome because we're, we're spending money on, we're spending a million dollars to get them a, a tank whatever you need a fucking tank for as, as a cop instead of sending them all to Jocko school of jujitsu or whatever. Like. I've told you guys before that they've sit there, you know, at, at our national runs where they sit there and cruise around in their armored vehicles yeah. for hours, just putting around as, I mean, that's what they're using it for. What the fuck do you need an armored vehicle? They unless, have better unless you're going to save Takanama, Takagori tower, you know, and die hard. What do you, you need have- an armored vehicle for? We have a, a, a hillbilly farm community here. If anybody ever wants to look it up, it's Jefferson County. And and they have an MRAP. And I swear to God, it's nicer than what I got to ride in, in, in Afghanistan. I'm like, I want I oh, want to get in. Can I get in there? I am mad because that is fucking factual. I had brand new shit uh, at my last command. Uh, we, we had more MRAPs than we had anything else. And, dude, the, like we would have to do uh, like training exercises with uh, like the local PD bomb squad and shit like that. Um, but their shit was nicer than ours. It's just yeah. like, bro, what the fuck? But I thought I, you were supposed to get. I, I, just, I thought you were supposed to get military surplus, right? But I do want to throw my two cents out there, right? Because I want to answer your shit, Dave. Um, I think it comes down to two things, right? When uh, defunding the police department doesn't mean shutting it down, right? And then uh, personal accountability, kind of like what 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 uh, we already discussed. I'm not gonna rehash everything that no shame said right hold people accountable they're going to be more scared of going to jail than fucking up now how you fix that personal accountability is when you take that money when you're defunding the the police force right instead of buying them fucking 
mine resistant fucking vehicles uh when you're not buying them fucking full loadout fucking kits and shit like that that our fucking special warfare operators are using and you send them to like you said you send them to martial arts school you send them to uh fucking you teach them de-escalation tactics and shit like that but then you you keep harping on that you don't send it to them once and then be like all right cool well this guy fucking he beat another white belt in a fucking grapple six years ago so he's trained no that shit has to be fucking kept up right because how you know I know in the I know in the in the Navy, I got to recall my weapon um, every six months. So how how uh, like what was that in the Army? Like how many years or months? Do you remember? Like your standard is the battalion. Yeah, your standard quals are the same, but yeah, yeah, your standard quals are the same. But like you'll go to the range just to to get it in and stuff like that. But your actual like in your record and your file quals, yeah, they're going to be just like that um, as well. But yeah, like you said, you know, you're, you're training on, on whatever that is. You mentioned the, you mentioned a great point about like some of the gear and stuff like that. And we, 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 for better or worse, we have these guys with military experience that get out and you know, you can sign up for Joe fucks sheepdog response course. And, <laughs> and the only thing they're teaching is how to shoot like you you see it on youtube these guys are like hiding under car tires and they're laying they're rolling around on the ground and yeah you know what every once in a while that kind of stuff happens but not as often as you encounter that mentally ill person or that person just going through a bad fucking day or that person that's high on something or it's a simple drunk driver so instead of like rolling around jizzing on tim kennedy under a car somewhere like put that money into what fucking matters you're 100 percent right because like you know, you, you watch, like, these training videos, and they're, they're out there doing build drills, which is, like, pulling your fucking sidearm and engaging a target six times within a matter of seconds. Like, I don't want to brag or anything, but I can do a <laughs> build drill in 1.89 seconds. But, like, you're thinking about two seconds to fucking murder somebody. And, like, you know, you, you brought up another point when you're talking about, like, you know, when we're going downrange and prepping to go downrange, we send our dudes to... To go to the range and shoot like you're sitting there fucking you know engaging but how much time do you also spend on escalation of force fucking briefing after briefing after briefing they talk about it before you go on every single mission what are the steps that you're going to take to mitigate this before it becomes deadly how much time do you spend doing detainee operations where you're talking about you have a person uh, the hostile threat's been neutralized and now you're going to detain the person without causing harm to you or the person any further than what's already been done like if the military whose primary mission is to fight and win the nation's wars is spending this much time on de-escalation, then the police officers that are sitting here supposed to be serving the public should be spending at least that much time and probably more. 90% of their training should be exactly what you were saying, the stuff that they're going to run into 90% of the time. But these guys are sitting here itching to fucking pull their piece and, and start capping motherfuckers. And that's just the wrong way to go. And like, Ken, you brought up, like, defund the police does not mean take all the money away from the fucking police. I really wish they would have, like, renamed the movement, but, like, I get it, fucking marketing, whatever. But that shit is, you know, and that comes to another thing, like, read up on something and do your research before you just rely on a fucking clickbaity-ass title. But reallocating those funds to things that are actually going to make police more effective. You know, like, bikers in general, you have this thing where it's like you're supposed to be anti-cop i'm not anti-cop i'm just anti the way cops are right now like is it a necessity in in any functioning 
first world country? Yes, absolutely. You need a police force, but we don't need a police force that's going to treat its citizens like they're the fucking enemy. You need a police force that's there to serve. I'm as libertarian as the next guy, but anybody that thinks that we would follow the rules based on some uh, implied social contract without somebody there to tell me I'm going to go to jail if I do this is shit out of their mind. The 10 of you that would follow that, great. The rest of us would be over here just wiling the fuck out. So, you know, no no shame is spot on. Well, so, you know, I I know everybody knows what I do for a living, that I work in healthcare, Um, but I'm frequently uh, in part of healthcare that we actually deal with like really violent people. So, uh, and <laughs> uh, there's not a terrible, uh, a lot of backup from, you know, little five foot two nurse, <laughs> nurses coming to save your ass. What about uh, the Filipino ones? Hey, don't fuck with the mafia. Uh, <laughs> they, talk, they talk bad lumpia. <laughs> they come in a swarm fucking, um, and there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so here's the deal. I've, I've, for the last over 10 years, we've been dealing you know, with, that, with that population a lot. I have had to do hands-on so many times. I have had to hold people down. I've had to put them in restraints. I've had to ha- I've had knock-down, drag-out fights in healthcare settings with guys who are trying to really hurt healthcare workers. And we don't have a gun. We don't have mace. We don't have whatever. Now, yes, I'm six foot eight, and I'm a you know, certain disposition and so that's you know something that i can use but i have female staff who've been able to you know sit there and do the same thing against methed out tweakers you know and and hold their own and and deal with these guys and i've never killed anybody i've been able to do hands-on subdue people who are out of control and i've never killed anyone um and the other thing to that is is i've often more times than not before that's ever happened in fact for every time that's happened i've probably got 20 or 30 other times that it could have led to that, and I was trained in de-escalation techniques. In fact, I teach de-escalation techniques in my healthcare setting, um, and I've been able to stop it from getting there. So you telling me you can't tell you know teach these guys that the same thing? Of course you can, um, but which one typically is the mindset of the guys going into this job? Which one do they want to spend the money on? The guy sitting there, like you said, you know, jizzing all over Tim Kennedy. He's like, dude, look at this. Look at this 80-hour training uh, week that we can go to on all these cool tactics. Or we could sit there and spend 60 hours on this other training and talk about mental health and de-escalation. Tech. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, the guys don't want to do that shit. So I got, so, I got two things, right, for, for yeah. that. You brought up a great point, right, is even though you, like, you have these, these smaller – built females in your in your job field that are still able to do that my ex-wife she's five foot i think she's like five foot four she's maybe 120 pounds and she works uh she works healthcare up in oregon and it's the same shit um you know she's she's itty bitty but she's able to non life-threateningly fucking de-escalate a situation whether it it does come to force whatnot i mean martial arts comes into into that right yeah Anybody, anybody, anybody who's in a job that's going to require you to put hands on physically with somebody, they need to be have taken some jujitsu. That's just a matter. There's, there's no better body mechanics. No jujitsu, and you you combine jujitsu and judo, and you're fucking you're going. I'm surprised that it's not mandatory for all law enforcement to be in some sort of either jujitsu, judo, something like that. Like it's like I'd rather the dude who's in that because he's going to be more confident to not shoot me. 
when he pulls me over, um, be the one to pull me over, then, you know, <laughs> you know well, the, the yeah, fat-ass guy. That, fucking six, you know, eight. You're eight million pounds. You look scary as fuck. You know, I'm, I'd be a little, I'd be a little intimidated getting out of the car too, right? But like to my second point, is so you're you're over there doing an excellent impersonation of probably what they go through, right? The whole like, all right, guys, you gotta, you got, you gotta just talk to them nicely and uh, <laughs> yeah. show your hands a lot so they know you're not threatening. No, fuck that. You know, I mean, uh, I'm I'm sure Dave and No Shame will back me up on this. But our de-escalation training in, in the military is not, you know, sit in this classroom and then read this PowerPoint and then voila, you're fucking finished. It's yeah. it's very much like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna sit down, we're gonna in the classroom, we're gonna tell you what to do, we're gonna tell you how to address the situation and, and key things you're gonna look for, and then we're gonna take you out to this fucking gravel pit, and then we're gonna be like, All right, cool. So this guy that you see in front of you, you know, he has small arms weapons on him he has fucking this he's that you know he fucking smells of chlamydia now <laughs> take him to camp buka but don't kill him yeah you know so that they then you run through physical fucking drills on how to subdue this individual without killing him yeah right? and if you go too far in your training there's an instructor that's there that's going to beat the shit out of you yeah we have a, a very specific part of our de-escalation and um and dealing with a violent patient with it with a hands-on scenario that everyone's taught and it's like you treat the the torso as like an area you don't put weight on and like that's how many people like you know have died from this misconception um that if you can speak you can breathe um and just medically that's if you just think about it real quick that's not true air can go out doesn't mean the same volume can get back in yeah. you know and so uh there's certain areas you just can't touch on like you don't, you know, you don't push on someone's neck. That doesn't mean let some violent maniac, you know, fuck you up because of technique or whatever. Like, sure, at the time, if you really have to do what you got to do, I would expect anybody, law enforcement otherwise, to defend themselves. But it's within reasonable amounts of force, you know. And like you guys said, you guys had a, a, an escalation of force training. You know, what what level of force to respond based on what? And they just don't. Do they go straight to the fucking like? Let me just nuke you. You know, yeah. I think. When, when I write, when I write like an article or something like that, one thing I always talk about is I I try to I try to hate on it. So I think, okay, so if I was a hater or I had disagreed with this point, where would I come from? And, and to me, in this argument, like if you're a cop supporter, lover, whatever, that's great. And, and so, what would your argument be? And, and you would talk about, well, you know, when they're approaching a suspect or whatever, you know, they don't know that you know that guy how quickly somebody can turn and fire on them. True, 100% true. But, you know, my rebuttal to that, you wouldn't like, but it's why you get paid 80 grand. It's why your retirement benefits are through the roof. It's why your death benefits are, are through the roof. And, and while that may sound cold or callous or, or, or uneducated or whatever to the detractor, to the, to the critic, it is no different than, you know, Ken or myself or no shame being in the military. I didn't get paid 80 grand a year, but I got a lot of really good benefits because somebody could put a bullet between my eyes. And I'm sorry that that's the reality that you face as a cop, but that can't be your excuse. That can't be your fallback to why you you shot this dude prematurely. Like, and I understand a split second. That's not really a situation. I don't want to be a cop because I don't want to be in that situation. That is a shitty scenario to be in all the way around. 
but it happens. And, and, and you can't use that as justification for why you sat on homeboy's neck or why you shot somebody in the back or why after you get your ass whooped by a DUI suspect, you shot him. Like, it, you got his license plate, <laughs> let him go home and celebrate and arrest him in the morning. Like, well, first, like, you know, they, they, they record now everything. You know, there's dash cams, right? There's everything. You know who's going to not be violent towards police officers typically? It's going to be a member of a club. Why? Because I have a big identifying mark on the back of me. You have my license plate, all of that, you know, uh, on that dash cam footage, on that body cam footage. Um, and nobody's trying to ruin it for the rest of us. You know what I mean? And the, for the most part, it, it's it's still that bias that, you know, everybody in a club is is a violent criminal. You know, even guys not in 1% of clubs, you know, they get treated that way. So, and, and if we want to cut this out, we can edit this out, but... You know, a side a sidebar, a side conversation to that could be: um, is that why not not racism, but that the discussion of race or racism or, or whatever have you, it doesn't always take hold in in the club world. Uh, you know, it's something that that we've talked about amongst ourselves. And if we don't want to podcast, we don't have to. But my stance has always been that that clubs, a lot of clubs, not that they don't care about racism and not that they're for it or against it a lot of clubs simply just are indifferent they don't care one way or the other because they are so used to being profiled they are so used to to being that minority they are so used to having that abuse of power that what they see you know on tv and and in these protests or whatever they may support but they're not vocal about they don't they're indifferent does that make sense we already know it's there you know what i mean it's not new it's not like a new flavor. To, it's not a, it's a new cause to pick up. It's like we, we already are aware of like that stuff's there. You know what I mean? And, and so, like yeah, I'm not very different. Yeah, and I'm not in no way am I saying that clubs don't care. But I'm saying when you, tr- you know, we've seen people that have tried to push an agenda. I think maybe that's a better description. We've, they've tried to push an agenda to a club. They're to certain clubs or whatever that, that they should care or be more involved or, or, or put criteria in it. And I think you have a hard time selling that to club guys. Because they are so used to being that discriminated minority because of the patch. Am I wrong? Am I right? What do you guys think? I think for the most part, people just don't give a shit about what does affect them. If you look at biker profiling movements, nobody gives a shit about that that's not a fucking biker. Like, there's not a whole fucking lineup of fucking teachers <laughs> sitting at a biker profiling thing. I mean, like, <laughs> these guys are being fucking marginalized. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't until recently that other races outside of the black community decided, like, okay, this is fucking bullshit, enough's enough, and, and started joining hands and, like, and fighting that movement. But to a point, it's, like, almost obnoxious to where it's, like, there's, there's all this, like, random white guilt shit going on where, like, you have to overcompensate for your whiteness by being, like, super pro black lives matter and it's like it's so fucking fake but as far as like motorcycle clubs go towards that cause it's like i don't i don't know that anybody can really understand it and i can tell you that there's clubs out there that are more prone to to getting on board with these movements than others simply because they have more members that that are affected by it um you know, the, there's been stuff where, uh, like with my club, you know, historically interracial club has had pro 
uh, not pro, has, has participated in, in some of the, what, what the movement is that's going on currently. Um, but when you take like a club where they're not as affected as a, as a majority, the, their tendency to jump on board and be outwardly supportive of it is probably going to not be that high. And you look at a lot of the, uh, the culture in motorcycle clubs, it's very anti-government, anti-establishment. You know, Traditionally, those were very right-wing principles. You know, and it's kind of funny to watch the current state of things as those two parties kind of switch what their guiding morals are. But, you know, the, there's probably some type of uh, fear of reprisal or, or judgment from other people in their clubs, you know, as, as you go towards these, like, liberal concepts as, as they're seen now of, like, social justice. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the whole state of things right now is really baffling. You know, just the fact that people are so scared to have an opinion or just outwardly support something because you're going to get fucking backlash no matter what your stance is. You're going to get somebody that's coming at you calling you either a fucking Nazi or a fucking fairy, and there's no way to avoid it. So to have somebody say that they're going to stand up for a cause and have their club be represented by them standing up for that cause, it's a big ask. And I don't know that a whole lot of people are willing to do that. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Um, Because... Clubs typically don't get involved in something if it doesn't affect that club, right? Because my main, my main concern is my brothers and, and what affects them and, and affects me. Um, so if you're a little bit different, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not a club that's affected by that issue, you're going to be less inclined to really jump on it. I think the reason why it, it, it now this one is a little bit different while, while it, it is going to be looked at you know, um, as beneficial to us is because it's it's shifted its focus a little bit less from because you know we've talked about like the the issue of racism in, in the motorcycle culture and stuff like that, and it's shifting a little bit away from that and it's shifting more towards just um, police accountability, right? And those yeah. are concepts that we can all jump behind um, because it's beneficial for both. You know what I mean? It benefits us. It benefits people. Uh, if it's a, a racial issue, it benefits whatever. Um, the population as a whole. So that's easier to get more support on that way. Um, but I, I think you're spot on with that. And I think, like, like No Shame said, you know, you're, whatever your stance is, I don't care if you like In-N-Out or you like Whataburger. <laughs> like nowadays, we are just so visceral that somebody's going to come at you hostile as fuck because of something as simple as pickles or, or French fries <laughs> and a burrito, like, which is dumb as fuck. But. <laughs> We, you know, the, the uh, only thing that I can't get behind California though, uh, burrito is impeccable. So, oh my god, no! <laughs> so, all right, cool. So we're taking we're taking tragic off the show. The, uh, the four for four for the row is going to be no shame from now on. <laughs> well, take my spot because I don't want French fries in my burger. You, fucking, it, but, oh my god. But, but, you know, the point that, you know, one of the, you know, like No Shame said, though, is like, you know, no matter what you do, somebody's going to have an opinion on what you're doing. And I think it's almost like we're seeing, I don't know if the right word is, can we call it a renaissance of like, you know, that, that 60s era biker where, you know, they've 60s and 70s into the 80s where they very much kind of closed themselves off because they just wanted to, whether you agreed with it or not, they just wanted to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. 
and not hear about it from somebody not in that club. Not even we're not even talking the motorcycle scene as a whole. I think today we're much more not involved in each other's business, but I think we're much more intertwined with with getting along or we're trying to be proactive. But but you know, you're talking 60 years ago, they didn't give a shit what the guy down the street was doing. And I think we're almost seeing again, like, you know, when you talk about about that resistance to putting their any nobody wants to put their club face to anything, but I'm saying just their personal face is because you don't want the, to deal with it. It's not that you care one way or the other. It's just that you don't want to deal with that. And, you know, one thing that we brought over from the other page, or at least I did anyways, I've always said whatever is in your bylaws and whatever your club dictates and stands for, that's what I approve of. Like, I don't care if you discriminate people because they have glasses. Like, you're in a motorcycle club. Do whatever you want. If I have glasses, I'll go join a different club that accepts me um and there should in no way be a a call or a whatever you want to call it to make motorcycle clubs take up your cause because of how you feel about it if they want to be as segregated and as as isolated as that club chooses to be do that. And I think, you know, like, like Tragic's talked about before, too, people don't want to necessarily face the reality of something like prison politics either. I think it's kind of foolish to ignore something like that and, and, and bury our heads in the sand and pretend like that doesn't also play a part. It, it very much does. It doesn't matter if you're not going to prison, your brother might or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's, which, you know, and thinking of that, too, is like what would, would No Shame mentioned is like, you know, if you say that this is the side you're picking on this, you know, um, you know, we've talked about it before that now you're, you're, cause you're representing your club, right. And clubs may not want to get involved with that because who wants to be sit there screamed at me called a racist or a Nazi, or now you're part of these guys or whatever. Um, it, it, it's just easier. And it's like, why, why get involved? Um, typically, you know what I mean? Like you said, with the older clubs, like if the, the guy downstairs what's going on with him, doesn't matter to me. It's not affecting me, you know. Um, but the one thing I think that we can all agree, which is trash, is uh, is one percent clubs going out there and protesting on the behalf of police law enforcement uh, <laughs> that we saw. Uh, I'm not going to say any any clubs' names, but you can you can be right wing, you can be left wing, you can be whatever. But if you're in a club, especially a one percent club. You shouldn't be sitting there going like, well, these guys have a hard job. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I was severely disappointed when I saw that video. Hey, you know what? You know, there's, what? Multiple, there's, there's multiple different clubs. It wasn't there's uh, I saw a video of, of uh, a one percent uh, guy, you know, fighting. At a, I don't know which side he was on, but I was just like, God, I hope it looked like they were on the conservative side of things and looked like they were being kind of pro cop. I hope that that was a misrepresentation. Well, there was one that was so wild. Like, like there was one group. They went to like protect, like in their hometown. They went to like protect a, a statue or, or some historical shit that they liked. And then like the dude like ended up like like standing next to a cop. And I'm like, homie, just be aware of your surroundings. Like, get the get away from that fucking picture op, that photo op. Just get out yeah. of there. Come back at night or something and clean it up. Bring some water or soap. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the, and that's the problem. I mean, in general, I mean, think about it too. Like you said, clubs, 
clubs kind of shun society. The, the whole, you know, I, I did a, like an article thing on it, like fuck the world, you know, um, a while back. And it was, you know, clubs kind of, you know, we the mainstream politics and the mainstream stuff is not, that's not our bag. You know what I mean? I'm not interested in it for the most part. Um, but th- there are aspects that we can't completely just check out from society as a whole, obviously. And um, if we're looking, like I said, like when I write an article, I try to like, I try to hate on my own article. And, and so if somebody's, you know, we're going to get two thumbs down on this podcast <laughs> instead of just our one. Yeah. But if somebody was going to gonna hate on what we're saying right now, and again, this is all just opinion and, and, and kind of conversative, but they're going to say, well, where is your representation of the black motorcycle club and what that person goes through. And we don't have that right now on this conversation. We have it on staff, but we don't have it in this conversation right now. So I can't give you that piece on what that person might say. So, so this is coming from our perspective, from somebody that's, you know, that we have, we're in clubs with, with, you know, bylaws that deal with race where some of us are in mixed race clubs and things like that. And that's where our experience kind of comes from. I can tell you, I'm not surprised by any of it. You know, the, and, and part of this is, is being in an interracial club that has been around as long as mine has and it is at the level that mine is at, is that you pay attention to these things in people. Um, the whole integration and, and making everybody get along in the kumbaya thing, that has, it's a double-edged sword. You know, in, in one way you're, you're moving towards progress and you're moving towards acceptance, and in another way you're hiding people's true colors. Where if in the current state of things uh, and in the current club climate, there are clubs who are not afraid to be racist. And they're not afraid, you know, especially behind closed doors, they're very blatant about it, whether that be, you know, in their clubhouse with people of color present or whether that just be, you know, out on the street. And now I know how to approach that person. You know, and it's something I pay attention to specifically because of the lineage that I'm a part of, you know, there's. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Like, do you feel that that is, does that not, not bother you, but do you feel that's something that, that you wish that they didn't do, that they should change? Are you indifferent? Are you just like taking note of it to how you interact with that person? Like, how does that, how does that make, like, how do you internalize it or deal with it? Or, or what do you do? Like, what is, what is kind of your thoughts on it? Me personally, I, I just, I take note of, characteristics in people when i go out and i'm in a situation where i'm not comfortable with the people that i'm around or i mean you know they're not a close friend of mine i typically don't drink i'm typically not talking to a bunch of people i'm just watching and and i observe how people react and interact and uh there are certain things that i will just tolerate and take note of and then there's certain things that you don't tolerate you know there's uh there's old stories of the nigger loving chosen few and it's white guys and people that weren't black that stood up for and defended their black brothers to the fucking core. And, you know, they, there were people that would judge the non-black members in a certain way because of how they interacted with those black members. And it's something that we don't stand for. And, you know, and as somebody who's constantly on the lookout for it, it's something that you notice, but, you know, you're also not going to uh, just attack somebody because they happen to be racist. But if they start being disrespectful about it, then 
yeah, I have no problem fucking you up. I have no problem fucking with any of that shit. And, then, you know, that's why I say, like, this stuff doesn't surprise me because I've, I've seen it the entire time that I've been doing this. You know, you, you see it and you notice it. And, yeah, I know that that guy over there hates black people. You know, and it's it's unfortunate that things are so polarized to where you're such a piece of shit that you can't only hate black people. Now you have to hate black people and support cops because that's like the fucking thing to do. Like, have your own fucking opinions. Are you cool for hating black people? No. But you're less cool for hating black people and liking fucking cops just because that's what your fucking base told you to do. Like, that shit's so fucking dumb. And it's the exact opposite of what the motorcycle club culture is supposed to be. And that's having the freedom of your own opinion. That's having the freedom to do whatever the fuck you want with people that you chose to be around because they wanted that same fucking thing. And I think you bring up a great point that, that like some for me, and again, I know I'm, I'm a pasty white dude. If you want to hang a clan robe in your clubhouse and you want to do whatever, I support that. I support do it. If I don't want to hang out with you or that's not something I'm comfortable with, I'm not going to come around. I'm not going to give you my money. I'm not going to do whatever. But in no way do I think that we should tell motorcycle clubs that they shouldn't have that clan hood up there. Do it. Do whatever you want. Don't come to my house and burn a cross in my front yard because then we're going to have an issue. But whatever you want to do in your house and in your life, like, you know, I support. And if that's to the extreme, I'm fine with that. Like, I just, I don't think we'd be, we'd all be a lot better off if we stopped trying to tell people that how we think is is the right thing like like do what you want to do but don't infringe on 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 what i want to do yeah see well, that, right on the head it's the respect you know you can have your beliefs you can have your feelings on things but like he said you know if, if you start calling you know his black brothers a racial slur same thing if you start calling you know my hispanic brothers a, a racial slur you're gonna get it it's not because of your beliefs i don't give a fuck what you believe i don't give a fuck about you I do care about that disrespect, though. You know, it kind of, <clears throat> to no shame's point, you know, about just being your own person and having your own opinions and, you know, being around other people that have their own opinions. You know, that's the whole point of this anyway is, you know, Dave and I, we've uh, recently, we've had a conversation about shit that we don't see eye to eye on, but we're still here. We're still doing the show. You are still wrong. I mean, hey, man, you're more than welcome to feel that way. I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll remind you afterwards, and then you're going to be like, oh, you fucking fairy. Can uh, you text it to me in case I want to bring it up? Yeah. Yeah, I'll text it to you right now. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, no, like, we, I mean, we still fucking bullshit. Like, this man's going to fucking, when he, when he finally gets off his ass and buys his street glide, I'm going to fucking do his bar job for free. Oh, what? Except the street glide. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob White. I've been drinking. My bad. <laughs> I guess that, they call that the Fat Man Dino. <laughs> so, how many how many listeners are we going to lose from this hot button conversation today? Um, only the ones worth losing if they don't realize that you don't have to check all the same boxes of agreeing on topics. Like you can agree like with one topic over here and still disagree with one over here, and they should. And that's what we give what we stand for, which is motorcycle culture. And that's what we could never do at, at, at the other page at Sucker Free. It was like you couldn't be like, hey, man, I'm cool with those guys doing whatever they want to do as long as they're not disrespectful to people that I care about 
or asking for my money. And and that, that didn't fly over there. And I, I think some people, you know, some people that didn't follow us over that, you know, some of the a few criticisms that we've seen about, like, well, you guys don't address this and that. Well, well, now we have, and and it's it may not be what you want to hear, but I think it's been res- it's been respectful, and and I think it's been well thought out. And one thing that has nothing to do with what I just said, but that I was thinking about was, I got a chance what two years ago, to actually um, phone interview white boy white boy art um, from No Shames Club from the Chosen Few, and he would talk about uh, one one thing that he talked about was the L.A. riots, the or the Watt the Watts riots. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, and he was he was a member of the chosen few at the time, and I guess like where their clubhouse was at that time was like right in like the the epic center of like where all this this crazy shit was going on. Um, and I asked him if he saw any rooftop Koreans, and he didn't know what I was. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just ruined I just ruined the whole thing. But no, he talked about how his his brothers, um, black, white, whatever, would walk him home because where his house was at the time was like very much not in white boy central <laughs> and and people would would try to harass him on his way home and and he got tired of getting into these like skirmishes or these verbal battles and his brothers would start escorting home and be like hey man this guy is cool this guy is not to be fucked with this guy is respected this guy whatever you want to say about that his brothers had his back regardless of what color that that he was and then he goes on to tell another story uh, uh kind of like what no shame shared where they would go into a bar and he talked about multiple instances where they walked into a bar where they wouldn't serve a black member and he would walk out. There was one where they wouldn't serve him because he was white and he went into like a majority black bar and they all walked out as a group, as a unit, as a brotherhood. If that appeals to you, then that's the kind of club you should be seeking out because those stories are cool as fuck. Yeah, if, I, if my brother can't sit, then I'm not sitting. Yeah, that's fucking nuts, man. <laughs> fucking I didn't I didn't know white boy art lived like in the fucking like right there you, know? you gotta you gotta think man like this is in a time that's predates Martin Luther King walking across Selma you know it's this is like at the height of the civil rights movement when all this stuff is going on you know and I've got an OG that lives up here by me, and you know I'm not going to say his name because he's a little, uh, it's a little more on the reserve side uh, as far as things go. But uh, you know I've sat and listened to him tell stories, and he told me one time he said, uh, "If I told you the truth about how many times I would get into a fight a week, you wouldn't believe me. So I'll just tell you I got into a fight three times a week over race, and this is a white." member of the chosen few and you know he's looking at me he's like it's probably a lot more than that he goes but nobody would believe that somebody would be in a fight more than three times a week and you can tell i mean you see the guy's face you see his hands it's it, just imagine you know you're you're sitting there half the year you're fighting it out over a racial battle and I'm not talking about sitting on the streets protesting. I'm talking physical altercations. You're talking about over 150 days in one year that you're going to sit there and throw hands with somebody. I have not been in 150 fights in my entire life. And that's including sanctioned bouts with fucking gloves on. And that's what these dudes were doing every fucking day. And it's, it's just, it's amazing to hear that history and it's it's amazing to be a part of 
an organization that has that kind of history. But it just goes to show you that there is an extreme level of commitment that you have to go through, an extreme level of drive that you need to be able to combat something that is as nuanced and as ingrained in some people as as the topic of racism is. You know, a quote I heard, uh, I forget where, that I loved and that I've tried to, like, heed more recently is whatever you tolerate in your presence is the standard. Like, I don't care what you pay lip service to or what you hashtag or post. If it happens in your presence and you tolerate it, that's the standard. And, and I don't care what it is. If you're okay with that, fine. But just on whatever you tolerate, that is the standard. And, and you can say whatever else you want, and it's it's null and void. Like, whatever, whatever happens in front of you that you accept, that's what your standard is. And as long as you're okay with that, then do you. But don't tell me that you're against this or for that. But, you know, you, you're going to go to, to to whatever. You're going to go loot. You're going to go set shit on fire. You're going to go uh, to a clan or like whatever it is. Like, like just own it and, and, and be it. Um, We're, are we still recording? If we're going to pick it back up here. Um, yeah, so obviously we no shame's got to get going. He's got to so, uh, wake up his wife or make sure she's sober for this, <laughs> this therapy. Um, before you go, though, we picked a, a new theme song. Oh, shit. What's this we say? Mighty, mighty would do this little bill. 1959 established. We're still here. We're still riding. We're still fueling. All day, every day. 365 days out the week. I'm a pistol like the pro-po. And got more stripes on me than the barcode. And I'm a set to think I'm loco. Is that guy Is that guy in the club yet? I don't know. Because he yeah. slicked back in the video. I don't know. Is he a member yet? Lil Bill? No, Lil Bill's... Uh, no, 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 no. The guy, the guy singing. Lil Bill's like... Oh. Uh, a president, I know that, but or he was, but I don't, I don't know if he still is. But the guy singing the song is he in the club? When I go see Professor, I'll ask him. No, no, just be like, hey, the standard. Somebody in that video is in the club. I can guarantee you that. No, a hundred percent. So hey, no shame's got to go. Uh, I'm I'm drunk and I've already trailed off twice and fucking lost my point. So we're just gonna call it. So, so uh, hey, um, real quick, the, the the two listeners that we're gonna lose from the CVMA, um, I'm gonna miss you. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Fuck y'all. So hey, thanks for listening. CVMA actually loves us. I've, I've seen uh, like a couple guys in the inbox, and like two of them have hit me up on the side. So I feel like we should just stop talking shit about them. No, we got like two guys that drop their colors and go join real clubs though. Yeah, that's true. Look, if you're in the CVMA, just, you know, stick it out for a little bit, listen to us, learn some shit, and then when you're ready. Move to a real club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>